look beyond the Christmas cookies and the twinkling lights. Dig deep through mounds of wrapping paper. And there, hidden underneath it all, you'll find the true Christmas story. It's about the heart of God, loving us so much that he sent his only son, Jesus, into the world as a gift of life and hope for the future. Now that's a story worth hearing. The ultimate story that brings all of our stories together. That's the Christmas story. Good morning. Merry Christmas. How we doing? Good. I um, regularly these days I have to pinch myself uh, in worship because um, hard hard to quite describe, but often in worship when things are happening and going on and you're worshiping and I'm worshiping and the team is bringing it, I, I have to pinch myself. I'm like, I, I can't even believe this is the church that we get to attend. Amen. It's good stuff. It's good, good stuff. Hey, um, we're so thrilled to have you here. If you are uh, here in this place today, welcome. If you are at our Garner campus, welcome. If you're checking us out via the Internet campus tonight or Thursday night, by the way, two times a week, Sunday night and Thursday night at 7 p.m., or if you're just watching it in the comfort of your living room, we welcome you to New Hope Church. We are glad you are here. Welcome you to this family. Um, and speaking of family, I just feel inclined to say to you on this day that um, you are one amazing church family. And that um, you are becoming the most beautiful community of faith I have ever dreamed of serving. Because of you, I, just, I was thinking about this just yesterday and took down a few notes, and I, it's not exhaustive, I won't get it all. But because of you, villages in Kenya are being blessed with the love and grace of God through tangible presence and monthly support. You, you might not know this, but we send monthly support. We've adopted an entire village in Kiria, Kenya. Because of you, other villages in Africa, throughout Africa, are getting clean drinking water. Because of you, lives are being saved in that capacity. Because of you, going on 1,000 families in central North Carolina are going to be blessed because of the tree of hope out there this Christmas season. Unbelievable. And just this week, we had a few others because we didn't want it to end today. We've got a few others that we put out there. And we've had some New Hope family step up and say, you know, I could, I could use a blessing. And so there are a few, just a few out there today that you can grab. But we pretty much wiped them all out. I mean, we, you, you did it. A thousand. But if you want to grab a few today or whatever, uh, it's like just a handful. But you've got to have them back by tomorrow. And I would love to see those New Hopers particularly be blessed as well. Last week alone... We saw 50 people accept Christ and or rededicate their lives to Christ through the New Hope Movement. 50. 
Each and every week we're seeing more and more guests that are here because you are investing and inviting them. You. Our racial diversity, and I'm not ashamed to speak about these kinds of things, by the way, our racial diversity is going through the roof. You, you might not know this. We, we are connected, affiliated with the Wesleyan Church. We are the most, this is what they tell me up at headquarters, we are the most racially diverse Wesleyan Church in the United States of America. I love that. I mean, I, I unashamedly love that. I never want to stand before God having pastored a lily white church. I want to stand before God having pastored a church that fully represents God's created order. White, black, Latino, Asian, rich, poor, middle class, everybody. And I praise God for what he is doing in that capacity. Over 70 men came out this week. Over 70 to launch our new men's ministry, going after the hearts and the lives of men. You, you, not me, you are an amazing church family. And I am so proud of you. You are most beautiful. You are most faithful. Well done, church. Well done, good and faithful servants. You are fulfilling what that dream talks about on that wall in that rotunda. You are becoming the living, breathing organism that fully embodies that dream. And if you haven't read that, you need to read it because that's what you are becoming. So thank you. Let's pause. I want to thank God for you. Father, um, just like I pinch myself sometimes, I can't believe what's going on in worship in this place these days. I also pinch myself, God, and I can't believe that I get to serve this beautiful community of faith. Father, I just want to thank you for each and every person here. I want to thank you for those that will come to the next two services. I want to thank you for those that will go to the two services over in Garner. I want to thank you for our virtual community of faith. Father, I just, I'm just so grateful. I'm so grateful and proud of the people called New Hope. Father, would you just continue to bless us? Would you keep our eyes fixed on you? Would you keep us humble? Would you keep us focused? Would you keep us faithful? And would you continue to receive all the glory and the honor that is due your name? Lord Jesus, this is all about you. We just want to continue to lift you up and make you the famous one in central North Carolina and to the four corners of the world. And thank you that that is exactly what you are doing. You get all the glory and the honor and the praise. But Lord, thank you that we get to celebrate it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen? Amen. Hey, uh, why, why is it, question for you, why is it that we, um, we have a tendency to, um, when we get news from authority figures, we have a tendency to think it's bad news? Have you ever thought about that? I mean, whenever we, we tend to talk to somebody or get news from somebody or some institution or some organization in an authoritative position, why do we tend to think it's bad news? For example, like, like none of you have ever received like a, a, a package in the mail from the IRS? 
It's a, hey, family, gather around. Come on, let's celebrate. We got something from the IRS. Yes. You don't do that, do you? No, no, no. Just the other day, I said to one of my kids, I said, hey, come here, come here, come here. I need to talk to you. He goes, Dad, I didn't do it. What, what, what is up with that? Why, why do we do that? Uh, when I was in grade school, I, I was a little troublemaker. I was a troublemaker in middle school and high school. Now that I think about it. Um, but like, I often had, and some of you experienced this, man. I often had the, um, the, the announcer come over the loudspeaker. And back home in those days, they didn't mind embarrassing you and they didn't mind giving you a spanking. Remember those days? They'd give you a spanking with a wood paddle. Um, but they, they would come over the loudspeaker and they'd say, <clears throat> Benji Kelly, please come to the principal's office. And nobody ever go, went, oh, man, you're so lucky. Everybody went, ooh. I mean, I mean what, is, what is up with that? I mean, why, why is it that we tend to go negative when we get something from an authoritative figure? See, and my guess would be that you are the same exact way. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but, but that is my hunch. Whenever we hear the voice, we automatically assume the worst. What's up, what's up with that? Uh, this happens to me, it's happened to you. It, it even happens to me in ministry, by the way. I, I've learned the hard way not to just call somebody in to see me. It's really weird. I, I mean, like one day I, I told somebody, I said, because the staff's just growing like crazy. I don't even know all the staff very well. I meet with them once a month, all staff, but like staff are hiring other staff and I let them do that thing. And so I'll see people at staff, people, hey, hey, who are you? And, but, but so I've noticed a staff person doing a really good job. And I, I told somebody, I said, I won't, I won't see that staff person. Bring that staff person by my office. Dude, they came in. And I wanted to just love on them and say, you know, I noticed what you did. That was great right there. Why, why is it that we always assume the bad news? And here's what's interesting. It's not just in terms of people. We're, we're that way when it comes to God. Have you noticed this? Like, we, we believe that whenever we're going to have a conversation with God... Or whenever we're going to get close to God, we automatically, and you might not have ever really stopped to just kind of put your finger on this, but we've automatically assumed that the conversation is going to be negative. Whenever we're going to have an encounter with God, we don't really fully understand that, and all of us experience God in different ways. But most of us, if we really thought about it and we were honest with ourselves, we would, we would admit that when we, like, if we think we're going to have an encounter with God, you know, I better straighten up my tie. I, I better stand up straight. I better be on my best behavior because, baby, this is not going to be good. Come on. Is, is it not true for you? When I first became a Christian, I was um, in an awesome student ministry group, just was discipled and loved it. Um, we, we, went off, we went off to my first camp experience. As you know, I didn't grow up in the church. So we went off to the camp. We were in the mountains. And, guys, I'd been growing in the Lord. I mean, I'd been learning about God. I'd been going to church, all that kind of stuff. But when we got to the camp... At the mountaintop experience, my youth pastor that I greatly respect started to teach me 1 Samuel 3. And in 1 Samuel 3, God speaks to Samuel. You remember that? And calls to Samuel. And Samuel, like, I don't want to hear from God. He, he starts to think it's not God. So he goes to talk to Eli. Know this story? He goes to talk to Eli. And Eli's like, dude, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. So Samuel would go back to bed. 1 Samuel 3, you can read it later. God would call Samuel again. Second time Samuel goes to Eli. Eli's like... You need to go back to bed. I didn't call you. Third time, he goes and tells Eli, hey, or did you call me? And Eli says, God's obviously calling you. I remember when, when, when that camp session was over around the bonfire and they sent us back to our camp little dorm deals. 
I was scared. I was like, God, whatever you do, don't call my name tonight. (laughs) I was okay up until that point learning about God. I was okay going to church. I was okay to go into youth group on Wednesday night and Sundays. But I did not. I did not want to hear directly from God. Now what's interesting is we are no different than the people to whom the Bible was written in that particular context. They were the same way we are when it comes to this particular issue. They just sensed that if they had an encounter with God, it was automatically going to be negative. They were automatically going to assume the worst. And the cool thing about the Christmas story is that it comes around, don't miss this because this is where we're going today, it comes around once a year to let you know and to let me know that we don't have to assume the worst. It's not going to be negative. If you've got your Bibles, open them to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. Man, bring your Bibles to church. If you're watching this via video, uh, grab your Bible wherever you are. Matthew 1. We're going to start in verse 18 and we're going to read through verses 25. And if you don't mind, I want to ask you to stand in honor of God's Word. Are we ready? Say amen. Amen. Verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the... Help me out. See, that's all of you who got the word in your hands. That's impressive. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. Verse 20. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the... She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. Because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. The word of God for God's people. Take a seat. In this early account of the parents of Jesus dealing with such extraordinary circumstances, we find the Christmas story, which is the name of this series, we find it just simply marinating in grace, just drenched in grace. And on this Christmas Sunday, I want to talk to you this morning not only about receiving grace, but about extending grace. Because, see, here's the deal. See, everybody in here, here's what I know about you. Everybody in here, you love to receive grace. Amen? Everybody loves to receive grace. But why is it that that it's easy to receive grace? Come on. But it is not so easy to extend grace to others. Have you noticed this? Or am I all alone? 
Why is it that we have a lovely time experiencing and receiving grace upon grace upon grace upon grace, but to extend it to someone else is a totally different thing? And here's why I wanted to do this today. See, here's what I know about you. Some of you are going to be seeing loved ones this week. Well, some of you are going to be seeing loved ones this week that you, come on, be honest in the house of the Lord. You can't stand them. God loves them and you are trying. You know it as well as I do. And so I wanted to kind of set you up this week to send you out to not only receive grace today, but to be a grace giver. Did you hear me? To be a grace giver. Grace is not just about experiencing grace, but becoming grace givers. It's easy to receive it. It's hard to extend it. As Christians, we long for grace, but we cringe at extending it. And what I love about Matthew 1 is that in Matthew 1, verses 18 through 25, Joseph is a model example of being a grace giver. An absolute unbelievable example. Look at what verse 19 says. And this will be on the screen. Let's read this out loud together. Ready? Go. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her. See, you need to know, guys, according to first century Palestinian culture... Joseph had every right in the world to disgrace her publicly. Not only did he have every right to break the engagement, Luaska, or betrothal. My sister Luaska is getting married in here in a few weeks. Give it up for Luaska right here. I would not do that to most people, but Luaska has been with me for eight years, and I'm so excited about marrying her on New Year's Eve. Pray for her. But I digress a little bit. Yeah, you can clap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I've already done it. Why don't you two lovely people stand? Why don't you stand? Woo! Sorry, Luaskin. If you don't want me to marry you now after all, it's okay. Um, where in the world was I? Uh, Grace, man. See, see, Joseph had every single right in the world to not only break his engagement... Not only to publicly disgrace her, and I know this doesn't sound normal to you and it doesn't sound right, but do you know that he also had his rights to kill her in that culture? I know we don't understand that. I don't understand that. That's a little extreme. But Joseph and the religious leaders of the day could have stoned Mary to death. But he did not. Here's why. Take out your notes in your bulletin if you haven't already. Here is why. I want to talk to you about grace givers. Grab that pen in front of you. Guys, this can change your life and how you deal with family members. Grace givers, here's why he didn't. Joseph understood this. Grace givers surrender their rights. Grace givers surrender their rights. Right. There have been times in your life, there have been times in my life, and listen, there will be times in your life this week where you have every right in the world to publicly disgrace that loved one that gets on your last nerve. 
You have every right in the world. They've been mean-spirited to you. They've hurt you. They've let you down. You have every right to turn the cold shoulder to them or be mean-spirited and pay them back with vengeance. You have every right in our culture, and our culture will actually encourage you to do so. But here's what I find incredibly fascinating and interesting. This just continues to blow my mind. The Bible says that Joseph was a righteous man, and yet in the midst of what seemingly appeared to be unrighteousness. See, we know the story, guys. We know that she was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Put yourself in Joseph's shoes. He didn't have a clue. Joseph, Joseph, I'm pregnant. And I'm pregnant by the Holy Spirit. What? What? He had every single right to disgrace her. And in the midst of righteous Joseph, the Bible says, and what appeared to first century Palestine as unrighteous Mary, he's a grace giver. He extends the beauty of grace. The Christmas story is all about the birth of grace. Listen, and to follow Jesus, because a lot of you are new in the faith and some of you aren't so new, but hey, I've been following him for 20 plus years and this is still hard. The truth is to follow Jesus, are you listening? Is not only about receiving his unconditional grace, but about extending it to others. That is hard work. And what blows my mind as I read the gospel stories is that the people, listen, listen, the people who were, were most unrighteous wanted to be around Jesus all the time. Read the gospels, it's fascinating. The people who were most unrighteous, are you listening? Were most comfortable around Jesus and the people who were most righteous and religious according to the law were most uncomfortable around Jesus. Fascinating. Let me say it again. The people, the people who were most unrighteous according to the law, they were the ones who were most comfortable around Jesus. But the ones who were righteous and religious and all of that good stuff, they were the ones who were most uncomfortable around Jesus, the most righteous person who ever walked planet Earth. Absolutely fascinating when you think about it. His whole life, his whole ministry, his whole message was centered on the fact that anyone at any point in time, listen, can begin again. Can start all over. We talked about this last week. Remember the woman called in adultery? John chapter 8. They bring her to Jesus. The religious righteous ones who were most uncomfortable around Jesus, the righteous one, bring this woman caught in adultery, throw her before Jesus, tell her, and they had every right as well to disgrace her and kill her. And what does Jesus do? He, he I, I really don't know what he did. He actually did a little finger paint in the sand. Like when I get to heaven, after I ask a few big theological questions, I'm going I'm to ask them, because like, scholars don't have a clue, by the way. Jesus, what were you drawing in the dirt? What was that all about? But he starts drawing in the dirt. Some, some scholars suggest, but we don't know, that he was probably sketching out some of the sins of those who wanted to kill her. But then he, he looks up at them and he says, Hey, if you haven't sinned, you throw the first stone. And then he gets up and he, he 
gives grace to this woman. He says, go and sin no more. But he extends this unbelievable grace. Basically, he's saying, hey, 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 beloved. You can begin again. You, you can start all over today. Here's the second thing grace givers understand. They understand or they resist public opinion. Write in the word resist. They resist public opinion. Opinion. In his book, Grace Anomics, Mike Foster tells the story of a, a team, a softball team, a junior varsity softball team by the name of Ron Pauley High School. They were playing Marshall High School, JV softball teams. And Ron Pauley was an amazing softball team, and they start to play Marshall, and they learn right before the game that this is Marshall High School's very first softball game. Last year, they were a middle school team. And so they get on the field, and they start to play, and Marshall walks the first nine batters for Ron Pauley High School. And you can just tell this is going to be an obliteration, a wipeout of unbelievable proportions. And um, the coach of Ron Pauley High School did something amazing. A few innings in, the coach walks out and calls the other coach to the, to the pitching mound and calls the umpire and says, hey, we know that this is their first year playing and this is their first game of their first year. Um, we'd like to forfeit the game. And we'd like to, to spend the next few hours just helping them learn the game of softball. And the other coach said, no, no, you don't have to do that. And he said, no, no, no. And you've you got to understand, guys, Ron Pauley was an amazing softball program that won championship after championship after championship. And in a culture and in a world that says, go for the juggler vein, in a culture and a world that says, win at all costs, I saw in this book this shining example of the fact that grace resists public Opinion, And so what they did was exactly that. For the next two hours, they gave a softball clinic, if you will, to Marshall High School's new softball program. They taught them how to pitch. They taught them how to hit. They taught them how to field ground balls and catch pop flies. Reebok heard about this. And Reebok came in and bought Marshall High School a batting cage. The coach of Ron Pauley High School and the athletic club and the boosters raised $2,500 in one week and gave it to Marshall High School. The Cincinnati Reds helped build them a softball field and brought in new clay, new dirt for their awful field. It was unbelievable Grace, when public opinion says win at all costs, and guys, I, I'm like an athlete, I'm a competitive kind of guy, I coach, I love that kind of, um, So this story really, really spoke to me because, I, like, honestly, I, I don't know that I would, would, would do what they did. But now that I've heard this story, I might be more inclined to. Unbelievable Grace of this team that, that went against public opinion. And this is what I love about Joseph. That is exactly what he did in Matthew 1, 18-25. He did that which was right as opposed to that which would have been popular. And so should we. And so can 
we. The, 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 the last thing I want to tell you about grace givers is that grace givers believe the impossible. If you believe it, say amen. Grace givers believe the impossible. You've got to under, understand the context of the New Testament. When we, when we have the Old Testament, you might not know this, but there was a period of about 400 years between the Old and the New Testament. People call it like the darkest era in the history of God's people. People were not hearing from God. Many would say that God had kind of gone mute. They, God wasn't speaking. It was a dark, dark era. Sila, if you will. And out of this season, by the way, we're going to be talking about this on Christmas Eve. We've got this monologue, man. We've got, we got three services on Christmas Eve, 4, 5.30, and 7. That is this Friday night. Trust me, you don't want to miss them. 4, 5.30, or 7. We're going to have Holy Communion. We're going to have candlelight. And we've got this monologue that speaks to this era, this dark period that I'm talking about between the Old Testament and the New Testament. It was dark. And God was not moving. It, it was a, a dark intermission, if you will, between the, the old covenant and the new covenant. And it's out of this context that God speaks and God moves and God does the impossible. Amen? Matthew one twenty three says this, The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And they will call him what? What? Emmanuel, which means God with us. The powerful thing about grace when you become a grace giver is that grace not only changes the person that you're extending grace to, and let's be honest, sometimes it doesn't. Like, like you're going to meet those family members or you're going you're to have situations in the new year where you extend grace. And, and as far as you can tell, it, it didn't change them one bit. Sometimes it does, but sometimes it doesn't. But here's what it always changes. It always changes you. When you become a grace giver, when you experience the unconditional love and the grace of Jesus and you extend that to others, it changes you. And what we find here coming out of this dark era is that God just does the impossible, man. God sets the record straight. And God wants to let us know today, as He does all the time, that, hey, when you have an encounter with me, don't go negative. It's not always the worst. It's actually the best. And it's grace upon grace upon grace. And that through God, Matthew 19, 26, I can do all things. The Bible says in Matthew 19, 26, with God, all things are what? Possible. Um, this is impossible stuff. Virgin, conceived by the Holy Spirit. God, becoming human. God leaving the throne room of heaven to come to planet earth. See, I think we sometimes kind of just grow used to the story. This is impossible stuff. I think we, if we take an old story and put it into a contemporary medium, a contemporary venue, it might help make the point that I'm talking about. How many of you are on Facebook? Give it up. Show, show, show. Facebook people, Facebook people. Check it out.
easier to clap for that than to be a grace giver. Like this is a hard way to live. <laughs> Some of you know this. Some of you are like, dude, you have no idea what they did to me. You, you, you have no idea how he abused me or what she said to me. You, you don't have a clue, Pastor. No, I, I don't. I don't know your story. But I've got my own. This is a hard way to live. And Joseph, what is so cool about Joseph is that, that he takes and he embodies this grace. He, he resists the public opinion and, and he believes that everything is possible with God. 
here's, here's what you need to know about this. Often grace is more about obedience than it is feelings. Read that with me. Often grace is more about than it is about... One more time. Often grace is more about than it is about... Look, look at what it says in verse 24. Verse 24 says, When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. Maybe you've never noticed that. Circle that verse in, in your Bible, particularly that part where it says, What the angel of the Lord had what? 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 See, I am certain. Let's not romanticize Joseph, or Mary for that matter. I am certain this was far more about obedience for Joseph than it was about his feelings. And it will be the same way with you. And it will be the same way with me. Listen, beloved, we're just a few days away from Christmas. You can't have Christmas without grace. You can't do it. There is no way. You can't have Christmas without grace. And to fully have grace, not only do you have to receive it, you have to extend it. And be a grace giver. No one embodied this more. No one. Than this baby who grew to live among us for 33 years. Grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. Talking about someone who gave up his rights. Think about it for a moment. Think about the rights that Jesus gave the Son of God. No one, no one resisted public opinion like Jesus did. No one ever has and no one ever will. No one believed his Father, Almighty God, for the impossible like Jesus himself. Go over to the Philippians. Philippians uh, chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. And the Bible says this. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should not look only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. Now look at verse 5. This will come up on the screen for you. Who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Or some translations might say something to be exploited or taken advantage of. Rather, what does it say? He made himself, help me out, nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even what? 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 Death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. Let the church say Amen. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. Let the church say amen. In heaven and on earth and under earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let the church give a hearty amen. amen. 
That's what God has done because Jesus came, gave up his rights, resisted public opinion, and believed God Almighty to do the impossible. You're going to see some gifts this week, church. You're going to see some gifts. I want to encourage you. Every gift you see, every gift you feel, every gift you open or see open, can I encourage you to let it remind you of the grace that God has given for you and to you to extend to others. I want to invite you to leave this place today committed for the rest of your life to be a grace giver. You'll see this on the screens. God has given me the gift of grace so that I can extend His grace to others. Oh my word, let's camp out on that for a moment and say it out loud. Ready? God has given me the gift of grace so I can extend His grace to others. Are we all doing it? Like, I might be wrong, but I think I see some of you saying, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> I'm not going to give any grace. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Just, just, just try it. You can just mumble it if you want. Try it. You can't have Christmas without grace. And you can't take grace and hoard it to yourself. I, I, the more I grow in Christ, the more I'm called to be a grace giver. Are we ready? Are we all ready for this? Take a deep breath. It's okay. You can give grace to that person this holiday season. That one who cuts you off on the highway. Or the one who, like, if you're like me, you might accidentally cut off and they show you their IQ with their finger. <laughs> Ready? Come on, come on. God has given me the gift of grace so I can extend His grace to others. That's much better, church. One more time. That, I mean, golly, I wonder if it can get that much better again. Ready? Hardy. Like, like I'm actually warming up to the idea. Ready? Go. God has given me the gift of grace so I can extend His grace to others. As I said in the beginning, you are such a beautiful community of faith. God has given me the gift of grace. So I can extend grace to others even when I don't feel like it. I'm not talking about extending grace to those you love. I'm not talking about extending grace to those you like. The Bible says this. Come on, come on, come on. See to it. See, see to it, church, that no one misses the grace of God. See to it that no one misses the grace of God. Well, what would it take? Come on, come on, come on. What would it look like for us to be a church that gets this one right? I mean, I mean, could you just imagine? Uh, those of you who play tennis, I hear there's a thing called a let. Whatever that is. Like, I don't, I don't believe in tennis or hockey. Sorry. Um, <laughs> like, hockey gets on my last nerves. Why do they even show that mess on ESPN? It drives me freaking crazy. <laughs> a let. It's like a, it's like a do-over. Sorry for you northern hockey people. Sorry. Um, golf, you get a mulligan, a do-over. Guys, I come across people all the time. You do too, come on. All they want in life is, is, is a mulligan. They just want a do-over. And the call of the Christian, 
I'm not talking about condoning sin. But we don't change people by being mean-spirited to them. We don't change people by judging them. The thing that changes you, come on, just think about your own life. The only thing that I do when people like judge me or, or like come down on me, I, I just rebel. Legalism and laws, beloved, calls rebellion. Grace is what changes me as I extend it. And thanks be to God, grace is the thing that changes people. This is what changes people. Could you just imagine? See, like, I think, I think that's why this church has experienced such anointing and power and blessing. It's because we've been saying since day one, whoever you are, come as you are. God loves you and so do we. You need a let, whatever that is. You need a mulligan? <laughs> come as you are. Grace happens. And when we give people grace and we leave people to God, God does the rest. The other day, um, the other day, actually it was a course of three days, um, at our house, we've got, a, we've got a detached garage. And at our house, um, we, we sometimes open up the garage door. I've got a stereo in there. We play ball in the yard, and we, we cut the music up. And it's, we do. I hear you, brother. Have you over and cut some music up, man. Glad you like that. Um, we cut the music up. And so sometimes the garage just stays open for a while. Well, the other day when I went to shut the garage down, um, there was a bird a little, I don't even know what kind of bird it was, but it was a little old bird. And the bird was in the back of our garage where there's a window. We got some windows on our garage. And the bird is up against the window and it's, it's tapping on the window, dude. And just tapping, 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 tapping. And, and I'm, you know, I, I go, shoo, <laughs> shoo, bird. Or it just keeps tapping. So I said, forget the bird. I shut the garage doors and went inside. Told the kids about it. Guys, there's a bird stuck in the garage. Really, Dad? Cool. We go back out there the next day. Guess what's, guess what's going on? We open up the garage door, and, but we stay, you know, about from you to me, brother, and like, ah, get out of here, shoot. Bird just keeps tapping. We leave, come home that day, same day, left the door open, the bird. Forget the stupid bird. Close the garage. Go inside the house. Next day, come out. Same thing. Like the bird. You, you're an idiot bird. The door's open. What are you doing? And the bird just tap, 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 tap. Third day. I'm, this is exactly how the story happened. Third day, we all go out and we get in my truck. And, um, and uh, we're all in there. And some, one of the kids goes, is the bird still out there? And sure enough, we look and the bird's going... I throw the truck in reverse. We're leaving. My wife. <laughs> you have no idea, my wife. Um, well, yes, you do. Many of you know. My wife, as I actually got the car in reverse back, she opens up the truck, so I stop. She gets out of the truck, and she walks to the back of the garage. So we're all sitting there, all six of us, right? We're in the garage. And we watched my wife walk to the back of the garage. And she, the bird flutters, in, but the bird still... She, she, she grabs the bird. <laughs> she walks outside. 
And the six of us sat in my car. In one of those, you know, holy moments. In one of those sacred moments where we thought two things. Actually, we thought a few things. One is, we're a bunch of hard-hearted idiots. Number two, we thought, my wife and our mother is a special person. And number three, here's the, the, the connection I made. I doubt anybody else made it, but the preacher in me said, that's what grace does. That's what grace does. Grace takes you and it takes me and it scoops us up into the hands of Almighty God and it brings us when we're just idiots banging up against life. It it brings us out to freedom and it goes... Enough said. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Father God, thank you for grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. God, where would we be without the grace of God? And Lord, we confess that it is so easy to receive it and marinate in grace. It is so easy to celebrate it. It is so easy to sing about it and raise our hands and feel those warm fuzzies for you. But God, thank you for reminding us through Joseph that the truth of the matter is that if we are going to receive it, we better get good at extending it to others. God, would you help this church be a grace dis-